Get a little more out of watching NBA games with Daily Fantasy. Every Nasir Little Dunk, LB3, or Nurkic Block means so much more when you're playing with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code TBPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome back, Bucket Busters. I'm your host, Tim Johnson, and this is the Busted Bucket Podcast. Locally grown here in Portland, Oregon, the city of roses, city of bridges, Stumptown PDX. This is a show dedicated to Rip City and everyone who loves Portland basketball. Joining me on this episode are my co-hosts, Blazer Ben, and the Rip City Encyclopedia, Eric Foster. What's good, fellas? Bingo, bingo, bongo, Blazer fans. What's up, fellas? <laughs> we got to work yeah, on you, need like an intro. Do I need an intro? No, it wasn't very... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, like, I just say hello. Gotta... I'm not a big, like... <laughs> Do I need to like rattle off like the uh, title page of uh, the Webster's Dictionary or something? Would that be fitting for the nickname? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to workshop it, it later. <laughs> we'll have a powwow. All right, guys. On this episode, we're going to talk about players that we may see heading for a breakout this season. Uh, we're going to talk about Dame keeping it real on Complex. Um, we've got props to end the show. But first... We're going to dive right into NBA power rankings. Now, ESPN put out their their list of power rankings, and they have the Blazers at 15. Now, I, I kind of want to ask you guys how you feel. Do you feel that that ranking is fair given, I don't want to say all the changes, but you know, if there was one major change, to the team um but before you answer that i also want to say that our win total has been set at 43 and a half games now what do you guys have on the over under oh i'm taking the over portland's winning 50 plus 50 plus bearing injury right man i mean i'll support that bearing injury but you know, you get a nerk injury you get a cj injury you know we're we're back to where we were last year that's true that's true. I personally, I'm taking the over. Um, I don't know if we'll reach 50 games, but I, I'm definitely taking the taking the over on this one. Just because, I mean, you make a good point, Ben. I will say that, barring any injuries, which Portland has dealt with a lot in the past, what every year, ever <laughs> yeah. since the inception yeah, of the been, Blazers. It's been it's been far too long, right? Um, but I'm gonna say. I'm going to say like 50 might be a little high, but I'm going to take like 47 um, probably, which I know I'm splitting hairs here, but I'm saying 47 is probably pretty safe with this team. What do you think, Eric? I think that Portland wins 50 plus regardless of the injuries, unless it comes down to one of the big two. You know, if CJ plays, you know, 67 to 75 games, you know, every guy misses a little bit of time. Um, if if Dame plays his normal 77, 78 games, 
Portland wins 50 plus. I mean, the addition of Powell, the changing of the offense, the utilization of guys who don't that weren't typically getting run, you know, with other teams. I think that all of those things are going to play in to the overall record. And I think as long as CJ and Dame stay healthy, you win 50, 55 games. You know, I don't. I'm a big believer that this team is a lot better than advertised. And, and why do you say that? Well, I mean, historically, Portland has been overlooked and it's always been kind of one of the talking points for Blazers fans on social media, Blazers media locally that Portland never really gets a fair shake and they always overachieve. You know, they call it overachieving. I say they're really consistent in the fact that they win between 48 and 53 games a season. Yeah, I hear that. What's your take on that, Ben? I mean, I I, want to be a glass half full guy, you know, and not bring up the whole injury bug. But, you know, it's tough not to when you're talking, you know, trailblazer basketball. But I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to go. We'll have a successful year. We'll bearing injuries. We're not going to have them. You know, if if someone's going to get injured, it's going to be one of our bench players. That's what I'm going to (laughs) say. So it's not going to mess up with the rotation. You know, maybe Nasir Little will strain a calf or, you know, Derek Jones will, you know, I don't know. I'm going to stop you right there. Stop. Stop putting that bad juju. Yeah. All right. All right. right. I hear you. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. I need to not. I I need to not do that. I get your point. I get your point, though. Um, You know, I I think this team is better. Uh, Like what you had said, Eric, I think it's better than than what they get credit for. Um and I will, I will also like to point out that if C.J. McCollum starts off the year like he did last season, the Blazers are going to be pretty hot. I mean, you know what you're going to get from Dame. You know, Powell is still kind of an unknown because, you know, we saw a lot of good things from him last season, but we didn't see his full potential because he was still learning uh, uh, Stotts' program, you know, his system here in Portland. And the fact that there's a new system, I think it's – probably going to be catered more towards uh getting you know pal good looks just like what Fentress said on the on the last episode i mean i think we're going to see a lot more looks for those three guys because i mean let's face it like that is our offense right um i'm trying to think of where i was going with this but i do think that the blazers are going going to overachieve I think they're going to win more than 43 and a half games. And I also think they're better than 15. What do you guys think about that ranking? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, I'll start with you. Yeah. Ben. I'm at 15 middle of the road. I mean, look, I mean, you're looking at the, you know, ESPN rankings here below us. They have the Grizzlies, the Hornets, the Pacers from the East who are strong contenders and the bulls who made moves in the off season at 19. So uh, I'm not sure if I can, you know, believe these rankings, but I think, you know, we are fighting with the Warriors and the Mavericks, you know, for those, you know, play in positions for the for the playoffs this year. And that's where they have us ranked. So, you know, I'm going to go with it's a consistent ranking, you know, 15. I'll take it. You know, anything below the bottom 50 percent, I'm not going to take. So, Ben, I want to ask you, do you think the Blazers are going to be in the play in tourney? Oh, yeah. Do you, do you think as you really? Yeah. Yeah. Because well, I just want to look at the three teams that were below us last year and that were in the play-in uh, tournament, and they all improved their rosters. Who? So we did not. Uh, Other well, than Golden the Lakers, State's who? Gonna be healthy. Golden State's going to be well, healthy. Well, Golden State's 
Golden State's going to be healthy, but what does that actually look and the like? Lakers because we haven't seen below us. we haven't seen Clay Thompson in like two years. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still going to stick with it though, man. The teams below us, they they increased their rosters and you know made significant movements, and we did not. You know, so I, I want to throw this out there. There there are a few notable teams above Portland, and I know. Like we're going to talk about East and West Coast, but the majority are West Coast here. Um, there's four teams I wanted to point out. You have the Knicks at 14, you got the Warriors at 12, Mavericks at 11, and the Clippers at 10. Do you guys do you guys truly feel like they should be ranked above Portland? Every with you, Eric. team except the Clippers should be below Portland, in my opinion. I, I, the slander that Dame gets is pretty incredible. When you think about the things that that guy has done and the things that the Blazers of a whole have done while he has been the lead guy since Aldridge left, and you could, yes, there have been some playoff failures. There have been some things that have been a little bit disappointing, but as far as like during the regular season, Portland wins basketball games. And Portland has done that primarily with a core very similar to what they have been they're going to put out this season with Damon CJ as your number one and two guy. Nurkic is back. You have a better three guy than you've ever had uh, during Dame's tenure with the exception of maybe Nicholas Batum, right? There's nobody else besides Nico that has filled in at that three spot. Not Harkless. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else that we've plugged in there recently. Uh, Turner. Turner, Rodney Hood, Kent Bazemore. Al Farouk. You know, Farouk played the four, so I'll give him that. But even then, I think that Rocco is a better four than than Aminu was, you know, and he's a better, he's shooter, better shooter and he does a little bit. Well, better and they defender. kind of they they kind of fill out that same mold, you know. They're they're glue guys that go out, do the dirty work, etc. But your starting five is good. Portland's got a good starting five. So when you see guys like the Warriors and like you just said, Clay's not been healthy. He's the the guy is coming off. At, you're talking to a guy that's ruptured both Achilles, you know. I'm obviously I'm not a professional athlete, but I know that there is a mental aspect that goes into that. And then he ruptures an ACL right after that, or no, I'm sorry. The ACL followed by the Achilles. But so you're talking about two injuries that 20 years ago were career enders. And you're asking him to bounce back from consecutive, uh, season injure season ending injuries. How does that fit in? Additionally, you have, you know, Steph who, and I hate to bring up his family, but his family's going through some drama right now. And those things take a mental toll on performance. In a Yes, I agree that there is some, you know, mental, like, psyche aspect that could affect these, these professional athletes. But at the same time, they're professional athletes. And, I mean, Steph's family's going through a divorce, right? Well, have you seen the um, details on that divorce? Or his parents, anyway. I have It's pretty but, ugly. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a long, public, drawn-out thing, and that's where I'm thinking, you know, you kind of see how that can impact the mental approach to the game. I mean, there's additional baggage. There's old adage that Pippen, you know, when the Bulls were going through their consecutive three-peats, that during the playoffs, Scotty didn't even talk to his family. I mean, that's how focused he was. So... I mean, I think that's a testament to how outside influences can impact the overall performance of your game. Well, I, I get that. But but I also think that that, that also kind of proves my point is that Steph will find a way to shut it out. Probably. 
is what I'm saying. Steph will find a way to shut it. I'm not saying that the Warriors are going to be better than the Blazers because I actually no. don't believe that. But I, to that point that you were making, though, I'm not so sure that's going to really affect Steph as much as you think it may. Well, I think it, the big just, thing is going to be. I just want to call it out real quick that I don't think the Warriors are going to be better. I'm just stating that it's going to be a tougher competition in that second half of the Western Conference playoff race. Is all I'm saying. Not saying that the the, the, that, the, the Warriors are, bit, are better than the Blazers, but you know they were only three games behind us with all their injuries and whatnot, and, hap- and, and didn't have Clay and whatnot. So I'm just saying it's going to be a tougher hill for us to overcome. In the to same stay vein, though, play in tournament. Portland played 20-some games without McCollum, 20-some games without Nurkic, and they played consecutive games. Those were running concurrently. So Portland was without guy number two and guy number three for literally a third of the season. So, I mean, you got to keep it in perspective, right? Like, those guys are healthy. Portland probably finishes third or fourth in the conference. And then what about Memphis? You know, you finally get Ja coming into his own. You got Jaron Jackson, you know, coming back from injury. That that Again, team's injury. dangerous too. Well, and why yeah, not? That's what I'm, I'm just saying. Big... All of us don't have injuries. You know, we're all going to be on a fairly fairly even playing field most for the most most of the part. I guess my thing is when I look at the when I look at the Western Conference from top to bottom. Obviously, I see the Lakers up top, and then it's everybody else. And I think I I may be in the minority. Who were here. seventh place? What's that? The Lakers were seventh place, but I'm saying so that as far, bumps us at the sixth position, well, down to seven into the play. As far as improvements go with the roster, again, I think that obviously you look at the Lakers as the number one seed in the Western Conference. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a fair, fair assessment. You look at the Western Conference, you think on paper who's the best team. You look at the Lakers, adding Russ, AD's healthy. They get LeBron. They get. Dwight Howard again. They get um, Carmelo. Carmelo. They get all these guys. Okay, so they're the number one seed. But I think two through six and two through or two through seven, that's a toss up. There are a lot of teams. I mean, I don't think Denver is much better than Portland. I don't think the Clippers are much better than Portland. I don't think a lot of these got these teams are significantly better than Portland. And that's where what I need to know. What I need to know, and maybe you guys can explain this to me, how are the Mavericks ranked higher than Portland? Because they're in, they're Somebody in a weak explain division. That to me. They won their division. That's why. Well, and there's a lot of Luka hype. Not that there is not warranted. I like Luka. Yeah. I mean, Luka's good. Luka's good, but who else do they legitimately have on that team? Porzingis is not what he used to be. Hardaway Jr. In, in New York. Hardaway Jr. just signed a contract. I was hoping he would come our way, but nah. Yeah, I mean, he's not bad, but I don't know if he's that much of a difference maker. Come on, man. Boban? Hello. Yeah, I mean... Game changer. Do, do you hear the crickets? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that there's a lot of bias against Portland. I think that a lot of the... A lot of the predictions are predicated on the fact that there is a national media narrative that says that Damian Lillard is unhappy and that's going to play a role in how they're ranking Portland. I was just going to ask you that. I was, I was going to see if you guys thought that all the turmoil over here with our franchise is contributing to this ranking. Uh, thank you for 
answering my question before I even ask it. Goodness gracious, Eric. Uh, okay, well, I guess we're just going to have to see what happens, how it pans out, because I don't think the Mavericks are better. I don't think the Warriors are better. To Ben's point, they're going to be a good team still, but I, I still don't think they're better than Portland is, at least in their starting five. Um, you know, Eric, you agreed with the Clippers being higher, but I still don't see yeah, that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I don't. I, that uh, to me, well, I mean, team that doesn't. We play the Clippers twice. We played the Clippers twice in October. So you know, we'll see who gets off to a better footing as the season starts and who's the better team. You know, we play uh, in LA on October 25th, and then we just come back here and play the Clippers here October 29th. So that'll be a good testament to who's going to be the better team right out of the gate. Well, and I'll say since you're speaking about getting out to you know whoever gets out to a good start. I've seen reports and, and forgive me because I don't, I didn't take the time to write down who, who the source was, but there were reports out there saying that Portland has the toughest first quarter of the season out of any NBA team. Do you think that's going to play a factor in this? I mean, we do play the Suns twice. We play the Clippers three times. We play the Lakers, you know, the Sixers. Uh, you know, you got the Nuggets. This is all before Christmas. You got the Nuggets twice, you know, so it's, it's, it's a rough go, but I feel like any team's going to have a rough go because there's a lot more teams that are are better overall, I feel, this year. Even even the Eastern Conference teams, the teams that you don't ever feel are, are, are going to be giving you a difficult time, like the Pacers, you know? So, yeah, it is. it does look like it's a rough go to start things off with. You know, you got the Kings, Suns, Clippers, Grizzlies, Clippers, Hornets, uh, Sixers, and then the Cavs and, and whatnot. But it's a it's a good mix of very strong opponents early. So, but you want that, in my opinion, you want that. You don't want yeah. to. You you want to test your metal as quickly and as diligently as possible. And the best way you do that is to continually play the best teams in the NBA to see, you know, where your slice of the pie is going to end up coming from, and. I'm glad that they're playing these teams first. I want them to play these teams first because I want them to go out there and win and immediately boost their confidence because that goes hand in hand with talent. You know, the ability to to walk on the court and say, we're going to win this game. You know, and you, if you can do that against Phoenix, if you can do that against the Lakers, if you can do that against the Denvers, then you're setting yourself up for a stretch run later on in the season where, you know, you're playing your best basketball and not coming, you know, and Portland has a history, unfortunately of starting to round into form right as they're heading into the playoffs without getting a lot of that, you know, experience and consistency over the long haul. So, I mean, I'm with you, Ben, if they can come out the first, you know, two months of the season and if they can win 60% of their games, you know, that's where you get your 50, 55 win season. Well, yeah, and I mean, we end the season with some weak opponents. You know, mm-hmm. we got the Spurs twice in the final couple weeks. You know, the 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 Thunder. You know, the worst team on the ranking list twice. You know, March twenty. And we April open 5th. against Sacramento. You, you know, know, we, we get have, a good, we get yeah. a good opener against Sac. You know, and we have back to back against the Rockets too. You know, before we play the Thunder, then the Spurs. So we have a lot of you know, iffy opponents at the end of the season. You know, whether they're they're still playing for any pride at that point, you know, hopefully we are, 
So, you know, we don't let it slide at the end and we fall into that playoff playing. If we are, you know, a viable playoff contender, it may be the five or six spot too. So, you know, be optimistic and hope we can pull it through those easy wins, hopefully. Yeah, I, you know, I and I think to that point, I mean, I think it goes one of two ways. I mean, you, you got to worry about, you know, the team maybe taking it a little too easy towards the end of the season. Maybe given, you know, it's a good thing that, you know, maybe Dame and, and CJ and Nurk and all them can get some rest. But at the same time, like, does that pull them out of their out of their rhythm uh, towards the end of the season? Because, you know, one thing we've we've seen year after year is that Dame and CJ have to put it together and be on point towards the end of the season to make sure, you know, because they're fighting for that that playoff seating. And, you know, if if we do end the stretch or the, the regular season with a stretch of these easy games where, you know, maybe they're they're not having to put it together as much as they normally do or, or have had to in the past. I mean, does that does that hinder the team going into the playoffs? I mean, that's something to think about. But another thing I wanted to ask you guys is, do you think that the addition of Chauncey is going to drastically change the look of this team? I know we've talked about this before on previous episodes. We talked about it with Fentress. But, you know, I, I honestly can't remember if I've asked the two of you guys specifically, if you think that the Chauncey addition makes this team around a 500-win team or a 50-win team. Benjamin. I mean, yeah, if he can bring in his defensive mentality and people uh, adapt to it and can, you know, uh, adapt their playing style that they've been playing with their whole entire career and pick up the defensive end, I, I feel like the sky's the limit at that point, man. If we were Offense is not our problem. You know, it was defense. So if you can wrap even 10% more defense with the same amount of offense, you know, I feel like that's, that's a recipe for success, you know, but you say... A lot of people say you're going to get 10% more defense. You're going to lose 10% offense. But I, I hope that's not the case. And we can keep going on the same path we were going last year with more defensive-minded players. You know, more lateral movement. You know, better off-the-ball play and stuff like that. You know, so I hope Chauncey comes in. And it is no nonsense, too. You know, Stotts, you know, I feel like he was very laid back. And didn't really get on the players very much for anything. Um, it felt mm-hmm. like he was comfortable in his position and, and it obviously showed. Um, so, you know, yep. I feel like Chauncey's going to come in and, and, and do good, good things for the team is my take. Yeah. You know, you, you had said that some people believe that you, you get 10% on defense and you have to give up 10% on offense. And I'm not so sure that's entirely true because I mean, personally, I believe that defense breeds offense. I mean, you're going to get more fast breaks. You know what I mean? Like you're going to get more opportunities on the other side if you if you stop the team and, and you get to wear down the other team too cuz I mean, how many times are you going to, you know, take a contested jumper or drive the lane and get stuffed before it starts affecting you mentally? Eric, what's your take? Let me think about the best way to phrase this. So <laughs> when I think about Billups coming in, there were calls for many, many seasons dating back to that New Orleans first round loss where people said, you know, Terry Stotts needed to go. You know, he had he had kind of lost his voice in the locker room and it wasn't yielding the same results. 
And then he turned around and he took that team to the Western Conference Finals. And that kind of quelled a little bit of it. But there were still rumblings in the fan base where people said, you know, it was fool's gold. We turn around back-to-back first-round losses against L.A. in the bubble. And then we finish it off with the loss to Denver last season, which is it was a questionable loss. I mean, we can all agree that it was probably something that should not have transpired. How it happened at this point is irrelevant. Terry Stotts became the scapegoat, right? They cut him. They went out and got a new coach. What happens if you send the same starting five out and they tank for Chauncey Billups? Then whose fault was it? But how how nuts is it going to be if Olshay was right? Exactly. So, well, hold on. What I'm saying is, you you, <laughs> if Dame, CJ, Norm, Rocco, Nurk as the the five big name players on this team go out and lay an egg, the question is, was Terry Stotts the problem? Now, even if he wasn't, I can almost guarantee you none of those guys in the in the era that we live in where reputation, social media, uh, endorsements, rep, you know, all of those things are very important to a player. And not just the player, but the player's wallet. Portland is going to come out and they're going to play very, very hard for Chauncey Billups. Regardless, regardless if it was Terry Stotts is the problem and Chauncey Billups' is the solution or if there was an issue with the players and something needed to change in them, those guys don't want to become the scapegoat. They have a perfect opportunity to let Terry Stotts be the problem, move on. Chauncey comes in, they play better. Everybody wins. The players win. The team wins. Chauncey comes in, they win. The organization can justify their hire of him. So it may not even be an X's and O's thing. It may just be a circumstance thing where the circumstances just line up perfectly and Portland comes out and plays really, really well for Chauncey Billups. So yeah, I think they do. I think it makes a huge difference. Right on. I mean, I, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Um, I think that just everything that's transpired over this offseason, they don't have a choice but to come out and play hard for Chauncey. Um, which will make, unfortunately, make Neil O'Shea look like a hero. But, you know, I guess in that same vein, as much as I like to bash O'Shea, as, you know, most of, of Blazer Twitter likes to bash O'Shea, if he's right, he's right. And we gotta, you gotta give credit where credit's due, I guess. Um, you know what? Where did we end up finishing last year? What was it ninth? So we were we were in the plane at ninth, right? No plane. So, no, we didn't make the plane. We were sixth. Playoffs? No, no, no. We did. We, yeah, we were sixteenth. Oh no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I read that wrong. We were ranked ninth last year. Is what I wanted to say. Oh, and heading into the season. Um, yeah, 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 heading into the season, we were ranked ninth. So Over, overall in the NBA. Has us, yeah. Yeah. So ESPN has us doing worse this year than we did last year. Fellas, I don't know if I can agree. So with that, let's move into our off-season moves. But wait, re- we know real quick, we didn't real do quick, a whole lot. Eric, I, you're right, dude. I'm reading this little Doug Curry, right? Uh, what he's accusing uh, Sonny uh-huh. Curry. 
of cheating on him with a former New England Patriots player, it's going to get dirty. Yeah. Was it Tom no, Brady? No, he didn't. He played one season uh, for the Pats. <laughs> and you know what? I'm not going to dig too deep into it because, I, you know, as somebody who's gone through something similar, it's an ugly thing and it's ugly for everybody involved. But I just – I don't think and, – and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but there hasn't been a situation like this in the social media age where someone with the amount of exposure and popularity as Steph Curry uh, has ever endured something like what's about to come down the pipe for him. Yeah. I mean, you could you could argue maybe Maybe, Tiger but Woods. I mean, even that was 10 years ago. Yeah. That's true. Wow, was it already 10 years? That's crazy. Um, all right. With that little anecdote, Sports Illustrated gave the Blazers a grade of D-plus for the offseason moves. Now, we didn't do much. We got a new coach. We re-signed Norman Powell, and we picked up a few guys. We let Melo go. Would you guys – I mean, it's hard to say for me because I like – I don't like to give them a grade until the first game, but – what do you what do you guys think about this D plus grade for the Blazers? Bunch of garbage, man. Yeah, do you think do you think it would be an A? No, I wouldn't think it'd be an A, but just in comparison, they gave the Nuggets a B, and the Nuggets did nothing but keep their same exact roster. You know, mm-hmm. we I feel like we lost some players, but they weren't detrimental losses in Cantor and Mello. You know, mm-hmm. we just lost some super susceptible players on players. defense. But, you know, we also brought in some players that looking to fill in those spots. You know, I feel like better defensive minded players, too. It's not fair to give us a D plus. So, you know, I would have at least given us a C plus, maybe B minus. You know, even at that point, you know, the Houston Rockets even got a B and they're ranked at the bottom of the of the league, you know. So a D plus is a little a little, a little harsh. A little rough, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would have given us a C. Maybe a C minus, because, like I said, we didn't do much. Um, what do you think, Eric? Context is important, obviously. And as far as what we had to work with, you know, the past notwithstanding, Neil Olshay went out and improved the roster. Portland is better than they were last year. You know, I... I'm not going to grade them because I don't believe in giving out grades. Like you said, until I see what's on the court, because on paper things can look really good. And then, you know, in practical application and in real life, they just fall apart, you know, but as far as Portland improving, I don't know how you can give them a failing grade when they went out and improved their roster. You, if you're watching the blazer games all season long, like the three of us did, you know, we watched Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor who were phenomenal offensive players who thrived in a system where they had the freedom to, to play to their offensive strengths, kill us defensively. And when I say kill us, I mean, they literally, they lost us as many games as they won with their defense, you know? So Portland went out and shored up that defense by re-signing Norman Powell, by locking in a guy like Snell, McLemore, guys who have been traditionally 3 and D guys. They picked up a, 
a center who's not as athletically gifted as Cantor, but can move left to right and has had a much better defensive rating than Cantor and Cody Zeller. And then you go, okay, well, Portland gets a D plus. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because Portland went and fixed the problems. You are never going to have an offensive issue when you have Powell, CJ, Dame, and Nurk in your starting five. So the only way that you can realistically look at them and grade them is the moves that they make, you know, to those secondary players, those role players. And Portland improved their role players. No, they are not big names like Carmelo Anthony. But also, Carmelo Anthony was not the Carmelo Anthony that played in Denver. He wasn't the Carmelo Anthony that played in New York. And the Carmelo that we got last season wasn't even the Carmelo that we got the bubble year, you know? So, no, be, I mean, I'm not even, I won't shoot out a grade, but they are much higher than a D plus. And when you compare it to the rest of the teams that are, that they're ranking and giving out grades to, Port, like Ben said, Portland did a better job than Denver. <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. Uh, you know, speaking of the new additions, uh, let's just let's talk about these young guys, or or not even just the young guys, just the guys that maybe we feel have underperformed, or maybe just haven't gotten a chance to see what or to show what they can do. Who do you guys see having a breakout year this season? I mean, we I mean, just to throw out some names here, we've got Anthony Simons, Nasir Little. You've got the new kid, Greg Brown. You've got Norm, uh, CJ Ellaby, even Nurk. I'm going to throw Nurk in there too because I feel like Nurk was stifled with Stott's system. You've got Derek Jones Jr., Ben McElmore. Who do you guys see? If you had to pick one guy this season, who's it going to be? I'll start with you, Ben. I'm going to go with I hope Derek Jones gets more run with Chauncey at the helm. I feel like his defense wasn't that bad. You know, he's more of the lengthy player. I know he's only 6'5", but I feel like he's just a lengthier version of Robert Covington on the defensive end. You know, he can also run up and down the floor, get those blocks, stuff like that. I hope to see Derek Jones on the court more than he was last year. I'm going to pick Derek Jones Jr. as my breakout player of the 2021-22 season (laughs) right on you know on top of that i don't think offensively he was utilized to his full capabilities because how many times did we see him cutting to the basket not very often you know what i mean i mean a, a a guy who can jump out of the gym and dunk on pretty much anybody why are you not capitalizing on that potential? Um, but I agree with you on on the defensive end. I, it's still a great mystery to me why Derrick Jones Jr. fell out of the rotation. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. He must have he must have cursed out Stotts's wife or something. I don't know, something weird. Eric, who do you have? Um, I'm going to take the 21, 22 most improved player, uh, Anthony Simons. I got. Look, man, I know that Ben does not really have a soft spot for Ant, but I legitimately feel like this kid is a player. And I don't and I'm not talking about, you know, like, oh, he's going to turn into a player. I think the kid was already a player and he was 
handicapped by the role that Stotts gave him. And in a new system with a new coach where he's going to be able to kind of play to his strengths. Like I think we talked about it last week or on Saturday when we had Aaron on, you know, the kid had two dunks. This is the, the dunk champion. If he only got two dunks, what does that mean? It means that he has not been instructed to go to the rim. When he starts playing to those strengths and then you, his, or when, and, and his three point shooting and his outside shooting becomes a complementary piece to his strongest strength, I think you're going to see a completely different player. And there's minutes for him. There's nobody playing behind CJ. Uh, Macklemore is on the is on the team, but that backup two, backup one spot. So basically, playing the backup guard position between Dame and CJ, that's Simon's to lose. So I'm going to go with Ant. I'm willing to bet a couple of beers. Your choice, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, enough, and, and I'm going to put a little caveat that Derek Jones makes it past the trade deadline. Yeah. And we don't, you know, expedite his expiring contract. So caveat, Derek Jones plays the entire season. He's my outbra- my player, a breakout player of the year. Okay, I dig that. Eric, do you see Anthony playing more of the off guard than the the point like a traditional point guard like what we were we were seeing uh in yeah because i, I kind of see norm bringing the ball up in the second unit too you know that's the kind of the beauty of having a three guard rotation with dame cj and norm is that you have three primary ball handlers and i know that norm is not typically classified as a ball handler but you can see in the short you know what do we have him for 29 30 games not even 22 games i think but you could see over that period of time that the guy can handle the ball. So if it ends up being he and Simon's on the court, then you can allow Norm to kind of take care of the point guard duties and Ant gets to become, you know, a primary scorer in that second unit. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I see him more of as a two guard or a combo guard, you know, more of an Iverson type combo. You know, a, a guy that can get you seven assists, but he's probably more than like, you know, more than seven assists. He's probably going to get you 22 points. Yeah, I hear that. Right on. Uh, well, gentlemen, you guys went with young guys. Personally, I think I'm going with Nurk. Just just hearing Chauncey talking about the potential that he sees in Nurk and and you know, how he sees him fitting into the system that he's going to be incorporating here in Portland. I think Nurk's in for a big year. I think Nurk's going to be one of our assist leaders. I think he's his defensive presence is going to be so much more than what we've seen. And the guy is going to be healthy. He's, he's not going to be coming into the season, you know, um, coming off of you know, unfortunately, some some family losses due to COVID. He's not going to be, you know, coming in right off of a an, an, a season-ending injury and whatnot. I think we're going to see a lot of good things from Nurk, and it's it's going to be huge. Granted, I hope we're all right, and all three of these guys start taking off to the moon because that's I feel like that's what we're going to need to to really battle in the playoffs. Um, Eric, you've got. You got a little something that you want to talk about here. Uh, Dame 
was recently interviewed by Complex. Tell us a little bit about what you saw from that. Uh, the the Complex uh, interview that he went through recently, e- either today or yesterday, it was published today, really hit home and kind of, I think, personally, I think, laid to rest some of the hesitancy that you know, Portland fans have felt about him sticking around and I'll read the excerpt. They're just talking about kind of what's been going on in Portland and Dame's responses. And, uh, it starts off with uh Pierce Simpson from complex talking to Dame, uh, asking him about some of the rumors that he's going to New York, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, etc. And Lillard's response is, um, quote, we lose to Denver. They were, you know, unhealthy. I'm frustrated with the loss against Denver. So, like, we got to do better. And I've always said I want to play in Portland. I want to win in Portland, and I still feel that way. So if I'm saying we got to do better, we got to give ourselves a real chance, we can't get out in the first round as we are, then, yeah, we got to go get better. Simpson comes back with, so that's coming from a standpoint of you being fully invested. And Lillard said, yeah, exactly. Not from a standpoint of threatening y'all. And when he's saying y'all, I'm inferring that he's talking to us as Blazer fans. So he says that he wants to play in Portland. Um, So he confirms that he wants to win a ring for the Blazers. But he also says he wants to keep his options open moving forward. Um, And the quote continues. It was like, if it comes down to me having to move forward and do something different, like, then maybe that's what I have to do. But it was like, I haven't made that decision, you know what I'm saying? And the fact remains that I would like to win a championship in Portland. So, that's the first time he's really come out and flat out said, like, I'm here, what I said stands, I've always said I wanted to win here, and now he's gone out in an interview for the first time and said, you know, he stands by those statements. Now, yeah, he leaves the door open that maybe if this team doesn't perform up to expectations or his expectations, that he needs to go do that because his main priority is winning. But his his main priority has always been winning in Portland. You know, so I think that we can finally stop looking at Twitter and seeing him photoshopped into a Philly jersey or a Lakers jersey (laughs) or a Clippers jersey and kind of just focus on the next season and hope that he and the team are able to have the best, you know, outcome possible, which would be hopefully, you know, a deep playoff run. I mean, I think it's safe to say that, and, and you, the three of us have talked about it already. It's safe to say that Dame's here for, for this next season. I mean, that's a guarantee. But my question is, if the team doesn't perform well this season, what what kind of odds are you given the following season? Because personally, like I can't I can't be mad at the guy if he wants to leave if there's another first round playoff exit, or if you know heaven forbid they don't even make the playoffs. Don't talk. I don't talk 50, that nonsense. Shot, he stays. <laughs> well, we have to. I mean, that's 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 been the narrative all off season, right? I mean, we have to talk about it. I mean, I assume that's the whole reason why Dame went to complex for this interview is to kind of put this this turmoil to bed right um but in what what he said there that it kind of just puts it to bed for this season 
I, maybe I'm taking something from it, you know, different than what you guys are. I mean, tell me if I'm if I'm way off board here, out of line here. Somebody say something. Okay, then I'm right on board, right? So, <laughs> so that's what I'm saying though. It's like, it's like, yeah, he he kind of needed to say something. Just because of all the, the crazy on, nonsense on. that's been I, going I, on this offseason. I see, I see uh, steam coming out of Eric's head. I think he's cooking. <laughs> no, I'm good. I. You know what? All I'm going to say is I hope that Portland is able to come out and play well enough that we forget about this. And that we are able to see Dame right off into the sunset as the greatest trailblazer that ever played. That he does the Kobe, he does the Reggie Miller, he does the I only played for one team. And despite the circumstances and no matter what ends up happening, that he is as happy with his time here as we the fans are. Yeah, I'm with that. I'm with that. Uh, you guys, You guys pay attention to Bleacher Report, right? Unfortunately. So they recently made a bold statement in a recent article saying that Lillard will be traded to Boston before Christmas. Once Lillard's gone, CJ will be shipped out shortly after. And then Portland enters rebuild mode. What do you guys make of that? Benjamin. Uh, that is a bold prediction to, to come out and just say uh, blatantly. Uh, but I'll stick with the, it, it does depend on how our season starts. You know, if we come out of the gates slow and, and sluggish, then who knows how Dame's going to feel at that point. You know, he might strong harm himself like stars sometimes do and say, I'm not going to play anymore until you trade me. So that would push him at the trade deadline, you know, before Christmas, he'd be gone. I don't see that though. I don't. I don't see Dame doing. That. I don't. I, this I don't is very. Out, this character. is a very outlandish statement. I gave it about one point five percent of it actually happening. You know. So you're saying there's a chance? One point five percent. I mean, Lloyd Christmas. Yeah, I mean, what they're saying in the trade, though, you know, is, you know, they're going to they're going to send us back uh, Jalen Brown as the focal point of that trade. Like, I I don't see us wanting to take Jalen Brown as as, as part of our rebuilding, you know, and then they're just throwing in a bunch of, you know, players as well. Aaron Naismith, Romeo Langford, Grant Williams and uh, good old uh, hometown boy Peyton Pritchard. Uh, and then a draft, Although I do dra- like Grant Williams. a draft pick, you know, but th- that's not enticing. I mean, I feel like if, de- if, if Lillard is going to be moved, it's not going to be to Boston for that. No way. You know what? Before I kick it to Eric, uh, I will say that t- to me, this just screams that there's yet another publication trying to capitalize on the Dame situation to grab viewers or readers or whatever that's that's all that this is to me eric i'm kicking it to you now it's all horse crap you know anytime you get into those blogs like bleacher report or 
you know the local one i'm trying to think barstool you know any of those guys i mean all of that is done for the sole purpose of generating revenue so you know you're you're not getting anything positive out of that the way that you would something that's true you know that there's not there's not a morsel of truth to that one like ben said who's taking that deal you know portland's not taking that they don't want jalen brown's contract if they're rebuilding you know and jalen brown's not going to want to go to a a team that's rebuilding because that kid's a, a winner so there's no there's no Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's all speculation it's, is what yeah, you're Yeah, it's saying. all speculation. And then and they're also playing it off of the narrative that Dame wants out or that Portland's not going to be any good or that, you know, the the fan base has turned on Dame and it's time for him to, to, to go in a different direction. And locally, we know that's just not true. So when you read stuff like that, you're like, what, what is this? You know? <laughs> What it what it, it's like? Oh, hey, Michael Jordan was upset with the Bulls in 1997. He was going to demand a trade to the LA Clippers. Like, why? Plus, let's be honest. Dame wants to go to a winner. Dame's come out and said, "I want to go win." Why the hell would he go to Boston? Boston's not going to be winning anytime soon. Right. Tatum, right. Marcus Smart, and uh, Al Horford, bro. Yeah, the return. Yeah, that's the godsend that they were waiting for to get them. Uh, back into contention against Miami. No, I just, you know, I just look at those things as, as, as clickbait. And I think that they're done for the sole purpose to generate conversation. And hopefully something happens because then it can validate their opinion or their article. But you know, nine times out of 10, those things just completely fall flat. You can ask Henry Abbott over at a true hoop, you know, about, you know, how speculation sources and all of those things can, you know, adversely affect your reputation. So, you know, when you, when, when you go all in with something like that, you know, you're, you come out looking like a fool, but the problem is in today's modern age, you only look like a fool for about five and a half minutes because everybody forgets exactly what you said because somebody else comes out and says some stupid ish. We should have got Fentress's uh, you're take not wrong. on Abbott. Ah, we did forget to yeah, do that. From a, from a journalist perspective of how he feels about another journalist kind of thing. Eh, that wasn't high on my priority list. I wanted to hear what he had to say about the team. I didn't care about Henry Abbott, just like I'm sure everyone else doesn't care about Henry Abbott anymore. Fellas, we've been talking about some pretty uh, downer topics on the show. Why don't we kick it to something a little more fun? Uh, let's Let's move into our next segment, Giving Props. I love it. My favorite part of the show. Yes, giving props, you know, giving respect or credit due to a person, place, or thing. Let's start off with number one. Just like last pod, we hit someone in Florida. This one is another man in Florida. Left a $10,000 tip on a $144 bill by saying that he appreciated the employees showing up and working hard. He stated that he wanted to give each of the 10 employees $1,000 at this sushi joint in in Florida. Do we give this man props for leaving a $10,000 tip? 
Well, I'll start off by saying you guys are not getting a thousand dollar tip from me for showing up. But if I had a thousand dollars, it still wouldn't go to you. I I would give I guess I do give this guy I don't know, I'm kinda on the fence to be honest. I mean, that's cool that he's given a thousand dollar tip to to all these uh, all these employees who are who are showing up and working hard but I mean ten thousand bucks man you can you can put that towards you know helping somebody in need maybe maybe those who are unfortunate enough that they can't get a job right now or or you know maybe pay off some medical bills or something but I mean I guess it's a catch-22 so yeah I'll give him props yeah I mean there, there if you look at the article which obviously we don't have video there is a legit receipt you know, printed out, taking a picture of, you know, at the Wahoo Seafood Grill in Gainesville, Florida. You know, Jesse served them. They had three guests at their table. So there's there's a legit copy of the receipt here. So this is this is a true story. So Eric, what do you think? Damn, they were grubbing down on some sushi too. $144. It's good sushi. That means that they were really in a sushi bar, not one of them little spots that just pops up. Rest in peace, Ichidai. Close down off pal. Um, Focus. Yeah, I mean, I've worked in the service industry, so and I know what it's like to have given perfect and above and beyond customer service and walk away with nothing. So I think, you know, sometimes the pendulum swings another direction where a guy wants to give you a thousand bucks because you gave good service and then that kind of balances things out and sets the universe right so yeah huge props perfect all right i feel like that was a pretty straightforward easy one you know let's let's switch it up a little bit to the second one in idaho a man walks 2.2 miles while balancing a baseball bat on his chin the entire time earning a guinness book of world record do we give this man props for walking 2.2 miles while balancing a baseball bat on his chin? Tim. Some people just have too much time on their hands, man. But yes, he got a Guinness World Record. I'm going to give him props. Major props. I, I Have you ever tried to balance something on your chin? Uh, never mind. <laughs> Moving on. That... <laughs> I want to say, yeah, that's impressive because you did secure a, a spot in the Guinness Book of World Records. But at the same time, do, is that not like the participation trophy of <laughs> world records? It's like, how many times, how much, uh, you know, can I get the Guinness Book of World Records record Bro, 2. for 2. shoving 2 my finger 2.2 miles? Total of what if I just move my minutes. finger up my nose for 27 hours? Does that give me a world record? Do I get in there for that? Or like, like I, there's got to be some limits. And I think that sometimes we kind of go overboard with some of the stuff. And this is going to be one where I'm like, I, I don't give a crap. Like, I, not only do I not <laughs> give enough, not give enough craps to not care. I, I don't give enough crap to just give this guy props for something that I think is completely useless. I think it demeans the whole, uh, it, the demeans the integrity of the Guinness Book of World Records to have something hold, like that. Hold on, because you're, you're, 
We're talking about the Guinness Book of World Records integrity. There are ridiculous records out there, Eric. I, I know. Mean, we're talking for playing video games. We're talking for like the biggest hamburger or pizza or whatever. Yeah, Come and on, all of those things are just completely ridiculous as well. <laughs> like, look, I mean, I see those things and I, you know, you just kind of shake your head, like. Oh, you know what? The seven people that have tried to do that. Man, he beat them. <laughs> Good job, buddy. I want to know how many people have tried to walk 2.2 miles while balancing now, a baseball. That's what We're I want to search. You know what? Your assignment for the next pod is to find out how many people have tried this. Well, the previous record was <laughs> 1.8 miles. So, you know, he pretty much crushed it. I'd, I'd say so. Crushed it. Oh, man. He probably lived in Texas where it's nice and flat too. Come do that over here in the West Hills. In Idaho, man. <laughs> let me let me rephrase that again. In Idaho. Oh, you man. said Idaho. You did say that. Uh, what part of Idaho? Just says Idaho. Yeah. There's some flat parts down south. <laughs> All right. So safe to say, <laughs> Tim's giving it props. Eric is not. And on that, let's head to the third props. Let's stick in the Guinness Book of World Records. Where a Canadian woman uh, right now unofficially set the Guinness Book of World Records when she completed a 100-meter run in 22.99 seconds. Now you're thinking, that's not that fast. But she was running on all fours. Okay? She's a furry? She she did a 100-meter run in 22 seconds while running on all fours. Apparently... It's something she's been doing since she was three years old and just started picking it back up. She is 38 years old, too. Just gave birth to her uh, third child. What? Yeah. Uh, so this is another one of those far-fetched Guinness records. I'm going to I'm gonna go with Tim gives props and Eric is what's going on. Hold, and, you know, hold on. This kind of... this. Okay, there was a movie that came out a few years back where like these kids were raised in a I think it was called Mother or something. Did you guys see that? It's like a horror flick. Why does this make me think of that right now? <laughs> like all the kids were running on 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 all fours. You remember that? No, I'm the only one. Okay. Is uh, that the Hillary Swank one where she's the robot? No, no, I don't know what the heck that is. That's Mother, I think. I don't know. There was one. I don't know. It was like some demonic being or something that was raising these kids and they were demons. I don't know. I watched some weird stuff. Anyway, uh, I'm going to give this woman props because that is insane. 22.99 seconds. Why don't we just call it 23? 22.99 seconds. Then it's not a Guinness World Record, Tim. That that is nuts. I don't even know if I can can crawl like because that's what i mean this that's what it is it's a bear crawl right i mean she's bear running i guess uh that's ridiculous i I remember bipedal species tim dude (laughs) i remember doing doing bear crawls for football practice and i guarantee you i did not bear crawl 100 meters faster than like i don't know five minutes So yeah, I'm gonna give her props. Eric, do you even really want to weigh in on this one? Or... No. Just taken over from the previous one. How ridiculous! Just recycle what I said earlier. 
<laughs> All right, so uh, Tim, just cut just... that and then redo it again at the uh, for this one. Yeah, well, I will I say this. It. Let me say oh, this. Oh, there he is. There he is. In what world do we champion being so weird? In the United States we of America, in Portland, bro. Uh, well, this one was in Canada, so you know. Does that now? My question is, and this is something that I needed to ask you before, and I forgot, Ben. That Guinness Book of World Records, that hundred meters. Was that for two? Does it matter how you ran it, or is that the record for using all four appendages? Yeah, it was the record for all fours. Yeah. So she's competing against everyone else who submitted a. That's in the book. All fours, yes. (laughs) That is in the. Oh my, no. I wish we had video so people could see your face right now. (laughs) I'm just. I'm over. You know what? I may, you know, slant the other direction at some point and just kind of figure out what obscure thing that I can do to just land my name in the book. That's not a bad idea. I think we all should try that. Fellas, that's that's all we got for this show. So, hey, big shout out to you guys, my co-hosts, Encyclopedia Foster, Blazer Ben, the Basketball Podcast Network, DraftKings, and especially you, our listeners, our Twitter followers, and Bucket Busters. You make it so easy to keep stepping up to this mic. Keep reaching out to us on Twitter, at BustaBucket, with your comments and questions. We love building community with you all. Check out our website, our new website, BustaBucketPod.com, and our merch store, store store.BustaBucketPod.com, where everything you buy contributes to community projects in the future. Thank you all for your continued support. Ben, you know what time it is. That's a wrap for this episode. Don't forget to rate, follow, and subscribe if you're digging what we're saying. Be good to each other, Rip City. We'll catch you next time on the Busted Bucket Podcast. Thanks for listening. And before we bounce out, let's give a happy belated birthday to the Bosnian Beast who turned 27 on Sunday.